Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're new to High Point, I know we're a little bit lighter this Sunday, but uh, we are a church that's been here for just at the five-year mark, started with basically a human being uh, in my living room and uh, has grown into the church that it is with a thriving campus ministry and things happening with youth and teens and families. And we're so excited that you are here worshiping today. If this is your first time here, or maybe you've been a couple of times, but you're still not familiar with what we're a part of, we're a part of a ministry called Every Nation, and that means we are really passionate about church planting. We're passionate about reaching people who don't know Jesus. It means that we're doing a lot to try to engage college students in the next generation, and that we will, and you'll hear about this sooner than later, going to have opportunities for you to go and be part of mission trips and preaching and sharing the gospel and bringing uh, social responsibility to not only our country, but nations around the world. Uh, that's what we're excited about. That's what we're pumped about as a church. That's who we are. And that is my good friend, Brian Taylor, uh, who I've had the pleasure of knowing for over 20 years now. Uh, we worked as campus ministers way back in the day in Nashville, Tennessee, and now each of us pastor uh, churches, and my hope is to bring him in uh, to speak and minister to our church soon. We're starting a new series today. It's just a two-weeker, but it's a doozy. And the reason it's a doozy is that it's about finding peace. And the reality is the, the average person, the average college student, the average uh, high school and middle school student, the average family is on a pursuit to find peace and many times is having a very difficult time uh, locking in on it. Peace is one of those things that it, it, it sounds great in conversation. We love it when we talk about it in church, but in reality, when it comes to the actually experiencing it in our hearts, many times it can feel very elusive. And so for the next two weeks, we're talking about this thing called peace. And then we've got another new series that we're starting, which we're uh, excited about. It's going to go right along with life groups and hopefully help us grow as a community, as a church together. But before we get to that, we've got to talk about some of the things that are knocking on the door of our hearts day in and day out, and that is peace. So let's set the table today. In the 19th century, there was a Swedish uh, businessman who was, who was eating breakfast at the table in the 19th century. Guess what you did? You read the newspaper, right? We don't do that. I don't do that, at least, too much anymore. But the actual newspaper, and as he's eating his Whatever he might be eating, his eggs and his sausage or pancakes or whatever it might be, his tea and his crumpets. He's reading the newspaper and he comes across an obituary, his own. And he sees his name and his life being written about in an obituary. They thought that he had died. But in reality, it was his brother that had died. But in this moment, he is seeing what is being written about his life. His name was Alfred Nobel. 
and he was a munitions businessman who had spent the better part of his life developing things like dynamite, explosives, bombs, weapons of warfare, and had made millions upon millions upon millions. And as he is sitting, reading the obituary of his life, terms like munition of death, the merchant of death are the descriptors being used about him to describe his life. And he was so bothered by the legacy that he was being that he was leaving behind, whether it was that day or that week, he, he went to the legal office and made up a will. And he left his entire fortune to this little thing that we now call the Nobel Peace Prize. And the reason he did so is because he did not want his legacy being the merchant of death, but rather that when people hear of his name, they would think of peace. And they would think of the advancement of humanity and humankind. $265 million worth of an investment being left behind. Now, at that time, that is an extraordinary amount of money. But you can see the efforts being taken and the efforts being made all because of the unrest that he's experiencing at the kitchen table reading about his life. Peace is a big deal, isn't it? We love it when we have it. Oh, man, but when you don't, you will do anything to find it. I've said this before, and I will say it again. If you could bottle peace, if you could take a little perfume sampler and literally fill it with peace and sell it, you'd be the richest person alive. Because there's nothing that people won't do or go to to experience peace. So much so that sometimes literally people take their lives in an effort to make the lack of peace come to an end. It's a tragic scenario and a tragic situation. But, but when we don't have peace, we will do just about anything. A lack of peace, or the you probably know what it's like when you're laying in bed at night and you just can't sleep. The thoughts are going through your mind, or nothing's going through your mind. You just can't settle your body down and rest. Ever been there? I sure have. Or there's strain in a relationship, but it's the kind of strain that that leaves you knotted up and you just can't seem to find peace. Or you're looking at your bank account and those numbers just keep getting lower and lower and lower and you're thinking, how am I going to pay my bills? How is this going to happen? How am I ever going to get ahead? How am I ever going to get out from underneath this thing, this weight, this thing on my back? And we can just find ourselves struggling to find peace. Well, I have great news for you. We're going to talk about finding peace and having peace today. 
And what I was going to spread out over, over well, I was going to try to cram all this into one message. But as we we're talking about it and praying about it, there just was no way to make it all fit. It's too much of an important conversation. Anxiety has never been higher in our country. In the history of the United States, anxiety has never been more on the rise. We also have not had more people in the history of our country going to counselors and going to therapists and taking medicine for things like anxiety or lack of peace. And you would think that because those three things are true, therapists and counselors and medicine, that we would then see a stark decline in anxiety or lack of peace. But in fact, that is not the case. There still seems to be a, a tremendous struggle in finding this all-elusive thing and experiencing it on the inside. Well, I have great news today. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And there is a reason that he is called that. And I believe today that as we open the scriptures and we begin a little bit of a journey together, my hope is that this God of heaven and earth, the one who sent his son Jesus Christ for you and for me, that if we will let him, he can take some of those broken places, some of those crooked paths, and he can make them straight. Those places where storms just are on the rise and the clouds and the rain and the lightning, it just seems to be happening on the inside. The God that says, peace, be still. That's who we're after today. Prince of Peace. Amen. Father, be with us as we open your word today. As we get into the scriptures, I pray whether we are students, whether we're families, whether we're in high school, God, whether it's elementary school students that attend this very school, God, I pray that you would truly show yourself strong as the Prince of Peace today. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 3 today. How to have peace. We are going to look at a text that on the surface has nothing to do with peace. It has nothing to do uh, with you calming the storm on the inside of your heart, at least on the surface. This is the passage of Jesus getting baptized. The beginning, you could say, of his ministry. It's not the first miracle in his ministry. That would be water being turned to wine. But, but this is the moment where Jesus is stepping out and beginning to step into who God has truly called him to be. His ministry is beginning right here. In Matthew chapter 3, we read in verse 13. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John the Baptist, in case you're wondering. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him 
I am well pleased. Jesus is doing something extraordinary here. And it's very easy if you read the Bible or if you're familiar with church to, to kind of miss this moment. But why is Jesus being baptized? Sometimes when you come to the Bible, there's, there's maybe if you grew up coming, going to a church, questions weren't always invited. Faith isn't always the easiest thing, I'll be honest with you. Christians at large, we haven't always have done, what? We haven't always done well with questions. <laughs> Confusing myself up here. We haven't always done well with questions, Right? can feel threatening but i want you to understand jesus is not bothered by questions god is not afraid of you asking some difficult things of needing to know the truth the truth that will set you free we've got to bring questions to the word why is jesus christ getting baptized what a confusing moment here because baptism is in the traditional sense is for those who are leaving a life of sin. You're repenting and the old Andy is coming to an end and the new life is coming out of the water raised from the dead. The old is gone and the new has come. So why is Jesus being baptized? Because after all, if we hold to traditional Christian doctrine, which we do, that Jesus Christ is sinless, then what on earth is he being baptized for? Not only is he getting baptized, he's doing so under John the Baptist's baptism. This is a baptism of repentance. That's what he preached. That's what he taught. Repent, he said, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus strolls to the river where the people are getting baptized, and he's like, it's, it's my time. I'm ready to do this. And John has the same confusion that you and I do reading the Bible. Why are you here? Well, hold, 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 hold on a minute. You, this, you have this backwards. I should be baptized by you you and jesus says no we're doing this to fulfill all righteousness and he's baptized and heaven opens and the spirit comes upon jesus like a dove i don't know what that would have looked like but i'm sure it was amazing the heavens open and the very voice of god is heard saying this is my son whom i am well pleased what a moment why is jesus baptized and if we can get to the heart of this we will have lesson one on how to discover peace how to find and have peace jesus is not to be clear repenting of any sin he isn't. He is not repenting of any sin. We hold to the truth that Jesus is perfect, that he is both fully man, and he is both fully God. So he's not turning away from sin. So what is Jesus actually doing? Well, let's get into it a little bit. 
Matthew 26, 39 says it like this. This is at the end of Jesus' life. We have two bookend moments here. He says, going a little farther, this is before Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. It says that he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but yours be done. See, sometimes in Christianity we can reduce everything in your relationship with Jesus to that of sin or not sin. It's this checklist of righteousness and unrighteousness. Now granted, we've got to have conversations about sin. Because if we allow sin to go unchecked in our heart and untethered in our soul, you will also have zero peace in your relationship with God. But there are other things that exist in a relationship between you and your heavenly father that existed between Jesus and his heavenly father simply by virtue of him being both God and a man. And so here is Jesus receiving and getting baptized. And what is he doing? He is laying his life down at the feet of his father. And he is ultimately saying, while he's not turning from sin, he's turning from the life that he could have lived. And he's saying, not my will, but yours be done. God, my life is fully about your kingdom business. What you desire is what I desire. But we forget the fact that Jesus was a man, which means that there were things that he wanted to do or would have enjoyed doing. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think about the fact that Jesus being a man would have maybe enjoyed sleeping in and not getting up and walking two billion miles to a village to teach and preach? Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think that Jesus was ever fatigued? Where the last person is coming up to get healed. And Jesus, while he loves everyone, do you ever think he was ready to call it, to, to cash it in and be like, okay, guys, like fold up the tents, like it's bedtime? Do you ever think Jesus was hungry? Do you ever think Jesus, we don't think of Jesus like he was an actual person, but he is a person. He is both fully God and fully man. He is not turning from sin, but he is laying down his will for the sake of his Father's will. He's giving his life to do fully and completely what his Father would have him do. If you want to have peace, live like Jesus lived. And I don't mean that you need to go and start healing people or that you need to teach and preach. I mean, when you get up in the morning and you are brushing your teeth and you're taking that shower or you're making that toast or eating a Pop-Tart or doing whatever it is that you do, that you would have the heart and attitude of today, God, not my will, but yours be done. God, not my will today, but yours be done. At work today, Lord. With my boss, not my will, but yours be done. 
in my marriage with my spouse, not my will, but yours be done. Maybe you have to have a conversation with an ex-husband or an ex-wife and, and it's frustrating or hair-pulling or it's the last thing you want to do, but not my will, Lord, but yours be done. My kids are driving me batty and crazy and I want to lose my mind, but not my will, but God, yours be done. See, it's not everything isn't simply about your sinning or you're not sinning. Sometimes what we have to do is lay down our will, the very humanity, and say, God, by the power of the Spirit, would you let your will rise up inside of me? Would you change my heart today that I would love what you love, that I would see how you see, that I would hear how you hear? God, that you would help me in this moment. In the same way that Jesus is baptized, that you would literally lay down your life for the sake of God's will. Peace is found when you put God's will before your own, not my will, but yours be done. Now, I'm going I'm to potentially offend some people right now. If you haven't seen this movie by now, it's kind of your fault. So I don't feel that bad about it. But if you haven't seen Endgame, okay, if you haven't seen the last Avengers movie, now's your time to plug your ears. Plug your ears. The entire movie ultimately is about Tony Stark, Iron Man, finding rest and finding peace. That is the beginning conversation and it is the last conversation. And I didn't like the movie when I first saw it, but I liked it the second time I saw it. I, 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 we pieced it out together and watched some of it, uh, Amy and I, this past week. And I actually got choked up because I saw the gospel in it in ways that I hadn't seen it before. I missed a lot of the movie and the undertones of it. And the reality is Tony Stark, who's Iron Man, he is known for being a billionaire, playboy, just narcissist a guy who lives purely for himself and guess what he never has peace he never is able to rest until he finally gets the revelation at the end of the movie that the greatest thing that he can do is lay his life down for the love and sake of his brothers and his sister and his family and he gives his life for those that he loves and at the end, they literally say, his wife says, go, you can be at rest. In other words, you can finally experience peace. Not just because you died, but because you finally understood what the best kind of living is all about. It's about laying your life down for the sake of somebody else. You can unplug your ears now. Okay, I saw that. There were a couple. There were, you, you've got some work to do. You have some work that needs to be done. There's some movies that need to be watched. Okay, 1 John 3, 16 through 19, John says it like this. He says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need... 
but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I want you to hear this, church. There have been lots of time, there have been many times in my life where I've made decisions or I've, I've had actions that I've pursued that have left me with a lack of peace. I've had unrest in my heart. Simply something, it may be as, innocu- as, as um, innocuous, no, small. It may be as small as, as buying that flat screen TV. And you know the buyer's remorse that you can have? Some of that's not the buyer's remorse. Some of that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit <laughs> on you wasting money. Oh, right? Oh, no. Uh-oh. Football season's starting. You need that bigger TV. Do you, though? But do you, though? Okay? I want you to hear this. I have had so much unrest over decisions I've made. You know what I've never had a lack of peace over? When I do something for somebody else. I've never had spending remorse when I've taken money and I've sewn it into somebody else's life. I've never had spending remorse when I've tithed or I've given to my church. I never have walked away saying, man, really wish I hadn't done that. That has never happened. Why is that? Because the more we make life about us and about each other, it's an amazing correlation that the more narcissistic we become, the less peace we actually have. And the more you give away what God has given you, the more peace you actually find. Isn't that an extraordinary correlation? And John says it like this, if you love one another... My paraphrase, lay your life down for your brother or sister. But it's easy for us to kind of go the the superhero approach or or to think that because Jesus died on the cross, that this must mean that somehow the only way we can really love one another is to sacrifice our very lives for each other. But then he goes on and he says something different. What does he say? If anybody has possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. John is making the correlation that for you to lay your life down for each other isn't simply about you sacrificing your very life. The vast majority of people in this room will never even be in a moment in your entire lifetime where you have to make that kind of decision to sacrifice your life for someone. But you've got to love how easily he just he reduces what it looks like to love one another. It means to love them in action and in truth. And one of the ways, the one many ways, is that you would be loving with your possessions. The very things that God has given you. What has God put in your hand? Give it away. Love the people around you with it. If you see somebody in need, do something about it. And it's amazing what will happen when you live this way, when you live about the business of your father. When you live not for your will, but your father's will. Not my will, but yours be done. When we live this way, and we choose God's way over our way, it's amazing how much peace you will have in your life. It's extraordinary. 
what happened? The heavens opened. And Jesus' father says, this is my son whom I'm, I'm well pleased. This made the heart of God happy. Now hear me, God loves you. The Bible says that he sent his one and only son for you and for me. That Jesus died for us, for our sins. He did what we could not do. Right? But sometimes, even that, we get lost in, in the mix. I want you to hear this. God loves you the way a father loves a son or a daughter. Jeremiah 3 uh, says it like this. He says that I have loved you with an everlasting love. This is God writing about his people. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I've loved you with an everlasting love. And I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. God has such a heart for you. He has such affections for you. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse. There was nothing worse in my house, excuse me, when I didn't know where my where I stood with my dad. Now, I had a good father, and that is, that's more than many people can say. I don't make light of that. But there is something about a child that wants to be in the good pleasure of his father. And I want you to know that one of the ways, and you don't earn anything from God, Hear me, this is not about earning salvation, but one of the ways we experience God's good pleasure in our life is by literally laying down our very life and picking up the things that he has for us. It's like heaven opening and you hearing God's good pleasure being spoken over your life. We have, we love to watch Netflix in our house, surprise. And, uh, you know, we're always looking for shows that we can watch that are appropriate with our kids, and it gets harder and harder, right? But there was a new show that just came out called Hyperdrive. And it's, it's this custom race car, kind of like American Ninja Warrior, but meets custom tricked out cars, and they've got all these obstacle courses. You can imagine this is... It's awesome, okay? Let me just let me just call it like it is. It's completely awesome. So we put it on and we're watching it, and you know the engines are being raced, uh, revved, and there's girls racing down here, guys racing down here, old people, young people. They're all just gunning their engines, and it, it's it's a madhouse, right? And my son, who's sitting next to me, literally no shirt on, you know, just sitting there, this you know, the shorts, and you know. He looks at me and says, Dad, this is cool, right? Oh. I want you to catch it. He thought it was cool, but he really wanted to make sure that his dad thought it was cool. It's cool, right? <laughs> like, you're into this, aren't you? He wanted to understand what, what pleased his father. What made, that, what made his daddy's heart happy? 
little does he know that what makes my heart happy is when he's happy and he's delighting in the things that I've given him or I've afforded him. But there is this ever-longing question about peace, and much of it has to do with God. Where do we stand with you? My heavenly Father, where, where am I at with you? And there's a conversation which we'll have next week about the broken paths of our heart that has to do with sin when we fall out of alignment with God's best for us. But there's also a conversation that we're having right now about simply laying down our desires and our dreams and our motives and our heart and picking up God's best for us. Picking up God's dreams for you. Picking up God's mission for you and laying down your own. There comes a time, church, where your dreams may not be God's dreams for you. And those are going to come into conflict and you have to pick up. You've got to lay down and you've got to pick up what God has for you. And if you persist in the other direction, it doesn't inherently mean that you are in sin, but it can produce a lack of peace. Because you're just actively going in a way. Maybe not, a, a, not the plan that God has for you, because this starts to get into some very large theological, doctrinal questions here. But simply put, Picking up God's best. And so here's how it practically looks. Here's what it looks like to live for God's will and his kingdom and not your own. It means that even though you're in a hurry, you may need to pull your car over and help that family who's having car trouble on the side of the road. Not my will, God, but yours be done. It looks like even though money is tight for me, I'm not going to hold on tightly to it. I'm going to give, and I'm still going to be generous. In fact, I may even help that person today who's at the corner of Target asking for money. Not my will today, God, but yours be done. It means that even though I'm tired how <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open my home and we're going to invite some people and we're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to drink coffee, eat food, and we're going to talk about Jesus because not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Lord, let your will be done in my life. And you will experience greater peace than you're, pro than you're definitely experiencing right now if you're not living this way. And Jesus gave us from top to bottom not just an example in his death, but an example from the beginning to the very end of all things. I could get some help on the keys here. Even as you look at Jesus' life as a young man, in case you're sitting here and you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm in high school. I don't really have any control over any of my life. You could have said the same thing about Jesus. And what happened with Jesus when he was a young man? His parents lost him. They couldn't find him. 
right? And they had to go back to Jerusalem, and they discover where he was, and he's literally sitting in the temple, and he's talking with the scholars, and he's talking with the theologians and the pastors and all the professionals. And he seems surprised. Well, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? I'd be about my father's will, not my will, but God, yours be done. And then in his baptism, not my will, Father, but yours be done. And then as he's preparing to be crucified, not my will, but yours be done. And this is the manner in which he lived his life from beginning to end. And we see Jesus having such a confidence. We see Jesus having such a a boldness, such a surety to himself. And one of the reasons that's the case is because he knew where he stood between he and his father. And when his father opened up heaven and said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. He did so because his son laid his life down for the sake of the will of his father. It produces peace. That's what you need. Father, be with us this morning. Lord, as we talk about peace and we talk about having more of it and needing more of it and longing for more of it, and Lord, there's so many things in our life competing, telling us what we need. God, so many things trying to sell us things that aren't producing peace when we have them. God, so many sports, so many teams, so much money, so many jobs, so many relationships, all promising an eternal peace in our heart, and yet it never truly, fully satisfies. God, what we need is your peace, the kind of peace that only comes when we're in right relationship with you. And Jesus, we thank you for the life that you live, not only in your sacrifice for us, but in the very actions, the day-to-day moments we see in Scripture, the things that you did, laying down your life for the will of your Heavenly Father. God, we need help doing that. God, help us to be sensitive to you. Help us to lay down our life. God, to be quiet when we need to be quiet, to be vocal when we need to be vocal, to give when we need to give. God, to show up when we need to show up, that we would lay down our needs and our desires for the sake of your kingdom, your will, and the sake of our brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit, help us today. you're sitting here this morning and you know this is me I need I've just been wrestling with peace in my heart peace in my soul whether you're a student whether you're married single whether you're divorced whether whatever season of life that you're in if that's you and you've been struggling with peace literally right where you're sitting say father today I give you everything and I choose your will not mine Let your will be done in my life today, Lord. By the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Not my will, but yours be done. It's in your name we pray. Amen. It's a great moment to just take a deep breath sometimes and to give it all to God. You might be sitting here today and there may be some bigger things on the plate for you. Things that you know you are doing proactively. What we would call sin in the, in the, in the Bible where you are persisting in unrighteousness or things that you know are not of God. I have bad news for you today. You will have a lack of peace as you continue to persist in things that are not of the Lord. But I have great news for you. There's nothing that you have done there's nothing that you're about to do that somehow Jesus cannot straighten out in your life. There's nothing he can't straighten out. And we're going to talk about that next week. But in the meantime, stand to your feet today. I'm encouraged, blessed being here with you this morning. And I want to invite you to do something today. Number one, if this is your first time here, stop by the guest reception uh, at the front of the school right after service. We've got a gift for you uh, just for being here and being part of church, whether you're a student uh, or, or family or whoever. Uh, we want to just welcome you and say uh, thanks for being here and spending Sunday with us. In the meantime, here's also what I want to invite you to do. I want you to bring a friend. I want you to be thinking about your neighbor or your, your, your roommate or your student across the hall, your friend in high school or middle school. We're going to be talking about peace again next week, and it's a message everyone needs to hear. And I want you to be thinking critically about who I could bring to church to hear about peace. Because we all need it. We need more of Jesus' rule and reign in our life, do we not? So who can we bring? Who can we drag with us? Who can you be praying for? That's my charge to you today, as well as getting involved in a life group. And you can do all of that by texting HPINFO to 97000 today. And we will see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great Sunday and a great week.